You're listening to the Personal Mastery Podcast with Ari Baga. Interviewing CEOs and executives who are performing at the highest level in their industry. Working purposefully towards a vision in alignment with their values and in a state of constant learning about the self. Welcome to another episode of the Personal Mastery Podcast. And in today's episode, we have Ron Shah, who is the CEO and co-founder of Obvi. Obvi is a collagen protein supplement brand focused on helping young people feel and look better as they grow older. He has an outstanding background in accounting and performance marketing, and he's been able to take that expertise into Amvi and skyrocket the business. We're going to dive right into how he started the brand, as well as community building, performance marketing, and most importantly, conversion rate optimization. So without further ado, here's Ron. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, where are you calling from, by the way? So um, our offices are based in Kearney, New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How are things in New Jersey? I know New York has been uh, pretty interesting over the past few months. Yeah, I think uh, we we had our tough tough days. Then we had our yeah. moment rallying when we kind of you know, the state that we made it out of the mud, and then um, and now we're seeing some some, some pop, pop beds again. Um, every day is a new day. Like you're, you're, you're going based off a number, right? Yeah. Of case, this and that. But, okay. um, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I was in New York for a little while and then I decided to flee New York after <laughs> I realized, uh, things were getting a lot worse. Uh, this was back in like, um, April. Oh, that so, was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Where'd you flee off to? Uh, back to LA. Yeah, I was in New York because we had an office in New York. Um, so yeah, I ended up ma- making my way back here. Oh, and the wildfire started, huh? Yeah, so tell me a little bit about yourself, quick background. Uh, who's Ron? Sure. Um, so currently, I am the CEO, co-founder of Obby. Um, formerly, I was a um, accounting major out of Pace University in New York. Um, went on to working in the big four, worked at Deloitte, um, found my path into um, startups and, and um, working more of an entrepreneurial role when I was actually hired as a controller um, at one of the um, uh, older companies I used to work for called Shreds. Um, Shreds is an interesting concept because we actually incubated um, a few different brands there. Um, I was working um, primarily in finance and accounting uh, but um, it was a it was a startup company, so we used to work two shifts. Um, we used to work nine to five, come go home, shower, come back at eight p.m., work till about wow. three days a week. So in my night shift, I learned a lot about marketing, um, different different things around that, and that's around 2013, 2014. So the start of Instagram, Facebook advertising, stuff like that. Really got involved in marketing. Um, and from there, you know, we helped build really some, some really cool brands there, Shreds, Flavor God, Skinny Bunny Tea, all direct-to-consumer brands. Um, from there, I left and uh, with two other partners started a media marketing agency called Ghost3Media. Um, mm-hmm. We're a boutique marketing agency based off performance marketing. 
Um, and from there, we did that for about five years and now took everything we learned over these five years and applied it in starting our own brand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you must have uh, your business running smoothly uh, on the accounting side because a lot of DDC founders are always like, that's something that people always struggle with. It's like, oh, how do I make sure all the numbers are right, especially when it comes to like customer acquisition. So uh, that probably really served you well. Yeah, 100%. I think um, a lot of people look at it at the end of the month or end of the quarter or end of the year. Um, we're kind of looking at it before we even get something started. We're looking at the yeah. numbers. Um, and the numbers have to make sense in anything we do. Mm. Now, when it comes to the brand Avi, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right, correct? Avi? Yeah. Yeah. So Avi. what was the idea behind going specifically into the collagen space? Is this something that uh, you were personally interested in or was it just like a um, a market opportunity that you saw? That's a good question. Um, so we were um, always in the health nutritional space, right? working for brands or building brands in the protein category, um, health and wellness and fitness. Um, the, the one thing about that protein category, like where you see your whey protein, pre-workout, stuff like that, it's getting very saturated. Um, there's only so many types of pre-workouts you can make, only so many types of proteins you can consume. But within that category, there was this little bit of an overlap in an industry called Nutra Cosmetics. Nutra Cosmetics is actually getting cosmetic benefits through nutrition. And leader in that industry is collagen. Um, and so we started looking into collagen and um, we attached and looked at the science behind it. The science behind collagen says that you should be taking collagen early on in your life. But the stigma behind collagen has been, oh, it's something you take when you're older to slow down your aging, you know, this and that. So we said, how can we make collagen fun? And that's the market opportunity because if people need to take it when they're younger, but all the brands look like they're positioned for older people or for not a fun marketplace. Um, and collagen is, you know, has a stigma of just being a product. You just throw in some other protein or you just throw it in and, and forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to change the stigma of collagen to make it accessible to millennials and beyond. Mm, that makes a lot of sense, especially like even for me thinking about it when I first saw like oh collagen, I was like okay, it's probably for people who have who are starting to get see wrinkles on their faces and uh, they want to start like using the product to look a lot younger. So, um, and I'm assuming probably like most people think like that because that's how like it's been marketed. So how do you even like convince someone that's young to start even like thinking about? uh buying this product yeah i think so i think there's two or two parts to it is one is educating them the science behind it is you lose college your body stops naturally producing collagen which is basically the elmer's glue that holds your skin together and your nails and joints you lose your body stops producing that glue uh, by the time you're in your mid-20s after that your body naturally depletes one percent of collagen per year right so that's why by the time you're 50 or 60 you see the wrinkles you see the joints this and that so when you break it down to this easier format of understanding i'm sure even let's say you hearing that you're probably like oh shoot maybe i maybe i need to look into collagen right because i i don't in, instead of me being a reactive measure let me be a preventative measure and say i don't want to see the wrinkles and then do something i don't want the wrinkles right 
so that we're training people to think like that, uh, educating them on that. And the second part is you have to make it fun. Um, I think the brand has to be exciting. I think the flavors, you know, we made it very fun, very, very flavorful. Um, we basically said collagen doesn't have to be boring. Um, so I think those are the two main methodologies that we went after. Mm-hmm. And now uh, for your target audience, I look at your website is very pink. Is there like a yeah. specific uh, reason why that is uh, with the colors that you use? Is it to like really um, target like a specific demographic? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, w- collagen is unisex and everyone should be taking it. Everyone can take it. But I think one of the things we've learned over the years of building brands or working with brands is pick a demographic and stick with it, right? When you try to go too wide, no one feels personalized. When you go too specific, some, a lot of people get left out. So we kind of said, you know, you take the genders, male, female. For the males that want to try our brand, we always say um, real men drink pink. Um, <laughs> but our, our brand is catered towards that female demo to let them know, hey, it's a fun brand for you. You can feel comfortable with this brand. Mm-hmm. So how do you like tie like the idea of it being a supplement while also uh, helping with like aging? Because uh, it is protein, right? I'm assuming a lot of people take it for like working out. So we, we actually, so with collagen, because it, it, it is a protein, but it is not a high dose of protein. The main oh, okay. reason our, our, our collagen is for the source of collagen, which that directly is tied to hair, skin, nails, and joints improving. Um, not so much your performance improving in the gym or your workout stuff like that. We have different products. Like our best-selling product is actually our collagenic burn um, that we created. Something like that people take to lose weight, get healthier, but our collagen is mainly for um, other purposes of hair, skin, nails, and joints. Mm-hmm. Now getting more into launching the brand, uh, what are the different steps that you take to get this to market after you figure out your product? Uh, because a lot of people uh, assume that it is easy to launch a direct consumer brands, but there are different, uh, obviously a lot of different things that go into it. Uh, what would you say like were like the top three most important thing that you had to get right uh, to successfully launch the brand? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think once you've figured out your product and, and the demo that's desired, um, I think we were lucky to have a good background of paid ads right? Uh, Facebook ads, uh, Snapchat, this and that. Um, defining, you know, your advertising tactics and how you're going to drive that traffic is extremely important, right? Um, I think the second piece is making your website where people are landing to, right? Whether it's your landing page or your website, making it super clear, telling people what the problem is, why you solve it, and how you can get the solution. Um, you know, building off of that is extremely crucial. Um, and then I think the third biggest thing is um, the experience flow, right? Um, if you're capturing people's email, are you just giving them a discount code or are you taking them down your company's journey? Uh, you know, if you're te- capturing people's phone numbers, are you just sending them a sale text message or are you telling them that, oh, our collagen, you can eat, drink, bake, right? Um, we also give a free hard copy recipe book with every order. We also do um, a lot in our community. We have the largest uh, Facebook community. We have the second largest Facebook community 
uh, for collagen members um, on Facebook. Um, you know, we take a lot of people to go there and say, hey, even if you don't want to be a customer, come join our community and see what others are saying. So I think um, working on the experience, uh, building that out before you just say, oh, I'm just trying to get sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, diving a little bit more deeper into the community, is this something that you started before uh, launching the brand or is it something that you're building um, as the brand grows and as you get more customers? Yeah, so we, we started the community effectively pretty much right around the time we started the brand, but okay. we really started to build our experience around it as we started to send more people there. And we saw that there was a lot more engagement, a lot more traffic that people are seeing, that people are willing to talk to others. Mm -hmm. And so the more we saw that the conversations were leading to people feeling more comfortable, the more traffic we sent there. Um, as that kept building, we pivoted to say, all right, let's build things around our community. So now anytime we do a launch, the first people who get to even hear about it is our community. You know, the, anytime we talk about something, the first people that hear about it is our community, not even Instagram, not even Facebook, you know? So um, I think, I think um, it's hard to say we started at the same moment, but we definitely catered into it. Yeah, the reason why I ask is also because people are always wondering about building a Facebook community, uh, but especially in the health space too, I think pe people, well, in, in general, in any space, people generally have like questions, uh, but specifically in the health space, people wonder like, oh, what supplements are you taking? What's working for you, et cetera. So I can see that being like a great environment for people to see, okay, like how are you taking your product? What has worked for you, et cetera. Right, right. And I think, I think fostering um, open conversation is important. You know, our community is not 100% only about Obvi, right? Um, sometimes it's about someone saying, hey, I had a rough day today. Um, you know, this is how I'm feeling. Sometimes it's people saying, hey, I take these other products along with Obvi. And it may be our competitors. And we're saying, okay, cool. Help others, you know, help each other. So. Yeah. That's what I really like about this because a lot of brands wonder like, how do you even build like a large Facebook community? But it's like, okay, like they create a group and then they just promote like link after link of their products, uh, but they're not really providing any value to the people in a group. So yeah, is, is it like, uh, how do you even like manage that content or what type of content are you providing on top to keep people engaged? Yeah, another great question. Um, so we actually do not allow any links, any total set of referrals. We don't even try to sell Obvi in there. Um, we keep it purely about assisting, helping what people are doing in their daily lifestyle to implement Obvi or other things. Um, the, the, the best part about the community is we built a really good team around it. Um, we have a team of really good admins that moderate the group. Then under them, they have um, a group of moderators that are moderating the comments, making sure nothing is being abusive or, you know, negative. Um, but when people do have problems and they say, hey, my shipment didn't get there or, hey, I tried this, it's too sweet for me. Um, they're also there to help. Um, and so I think building, you have to have a good team around it. Um, but I think if you have a good team and you foster the idea of, you can talk about anything you want here as long as it's positive, I think people feel. Yeah. And I was recently talking to one of our customers support 
um, heads here at Converse Smart. And what he said is at the end of the day, people just want to be heard. So being able to provide that environment for people to like ask questions or just talk to other people who are on the same journey, most of the time, like someone being able to like feel that at least you care or provide that environment for them uh, to, to be listened to goes a long way. And that's something that's definitely going to get them to come back um, wow. to make another purchase. So even something as easy as like replying to someone's like question in the group, uh, that person might really feel very um, close and closer to your brand. Uh, so that's a, this is a little things that always go a long way, especially in like Facebook groups. Um, so that's amazing to hear that you guys are doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's a, it's a big part of our day-to-day -day routine. It's a big part of something we monitor, of course, uh, hopefully. So it's definitely a lot of work too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Getting more into like the Facebook ad side, uh, you said you guys do Facebook ads really well. You come from a performance background. Can you talk about like the formula uh, that really works for Facebook ads? Because every brand is always trying to figure it out. Uh, you have like a thousand gurus out there who have a different <laughs> approach. But I want to hear from someone who has actually done it for a brand that's actually working. So can you talk about like um, your strategy when it comes to ads? Yeah. And I think, I think you know, the, the biggest part of our strategy per se um, is more around who we're targeting has been really defined, right? So we're going after the females, we're going after a certain demo. Um, but I think that, you know, the biggest part of the formula is testing, right? A lot of people um, feel like, oh, if I, if I have this one piece of content and I think this really clever caption and send it out there, it's gonna work. And when it doesn't, um, there's a lot of attachment. There's a lot of people that feel a certain way that, oh, this didn't work, Facebook ads is not for me. Um, yeah. I think not being attached to any piece of content, not being attached to any, even, even any consistent performance, because um, we've all seen it, right? Where seven days in a row, you'll do great. On the eighth day, all of a sudden, it's gone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, knowing that nothing is permanent, accepting that nothing's permanent, and accepting that whatever your idea may be, may be a complete failure. If you take that mindset, you're going to be able to kind of swim around this Facebook pool, they call, right? A lot. Um, and I think that's the best thing we do. I mean, you go into and, and look into our ads and stuff. We're testing tons of different pieces of content, tons of different caption styles, and testing tons of different audiences. Um, and just because one works, it doesn't mean you give up on the testing piece. We're constantly, you know, taking our entire day's budget and breaking it up into, hey, if this is working cool, I'm not going to put all my eggs into that. We're still going to keep testing to find more winners. Um, and I think that's that concept has stuck with us from day one. Um, and I think that's really the formula is um, don't, don't stop trying just because something didn't work. Don't stop trying because you had a month of spending $1,500 and it didn't bring you $3,000 in sales. Um, there's a way to figure it out. There are people who are able to sell with terrible content. There are people who are able to sell with unbelievable content. So the spectrum is so large. And if you can recognize that, I think you can get more comfortable. I think we share the same approach here. Like every single time I look at the people who are actually successful ads, it's just a bunch of text testing. Like I don't think like any media buyer really knows which ad 
is going to perform. Like at the end of the day, you have a pretty good idea of what your strategy is, but you don't know what piece of content match with like a specific caps caption or description is going to work. So it's about putting in as many variable as possible and letting the algorithm work and then figuring out, okay, this ad worked. Maybe then I take that ad or, or the content and then pair it with another headline and another description. Um, and that I've seen work really, really well. And it's just about testing as much um, as possible. So you're definitely right on that. I think like even when I was running ads, that was like the biggest thing that I learned that you just got to keep texting. You can't just like run like two ads, right. uh, <laughs> spend like $2,000 and then decide, oh, maybe ads don't work. It uh, doesn't work like that. Um, so recently there's been, uh, obviously we're close to election time and politicians, uh, they're cranking as much as possible <laughs> into the Facebook ad algorithm. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but is it affecting you guys? Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> I think uh, Q4 in general is affecting everyone. The big media companies are coming and spending all their money uh, before the year ends. The politicians are spending their money once every four years. So you see it back in 2016 too. Um, I think it's it's part of it is like you change your approach of what you're trying to get out of advertising um, depending on the seasonality, right? Um, when we go into Q1, which is new year, new me concept, right? Our goal is going to be acquire, 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 right? Right now, our goal is prep for Black Friday, acquire too, but be mindful that we are, if we're gonna be spending at a smaller return on ad spend, we probably wanna save up, you know, for November um, yeah. when that's around, but keep relevant in October. Right. So you, you spend more on remarketing, you spend more on a, on the different approaches. So I think if you look at your year and break it out by the different quarters, um, you can find your different patches. Um, you know, summer before quarantine or COVID, summer used to be very slow for e-com, right? Everyone's out, not, not as much people are shopping. But you look back at what just happened, um, summer was crazy good, right? Um, so I think you, you take these three months at a time and you set your expectation. That way you're also not reaching for something that's so you know ridiculous either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk about Q4 in a minute, uh, but I wanted to ask you about Snapchat. Uh, what, what exactly are you guys doing on Snapchat and what have you found to be working? That's a good question. So um, my partner, um, he's, he's actually like the media buying guru and um, he's, his approach is kind of similar to, um, you know, let's get out there in as many places we can, right? Um, almost as in like, you know, what you do with the billboard, just get impressions, just get the people to come and see. So we do with a lot of Snapchat is we do a lot of remarketing. We do a lot of, um, hey, you may have seen this on Facebook. You may have came to our website. Here it is again, right? Browsing in between stories. So it just kind of stays on your mind. We're not even really looking for a purchase or even sometimes not even looking for people to click on it but hey as long as you looked at it maybe tomorrow or maybe payday you'll come back and, and circle back mm -hmm. yeah i think like uh brand marketing always like i know a lot of performance marketers uh like to look down on brand marketing but uh i don't know for me it has always worked on me sometimes i'll, I'll look at an ad of like something that i might be interested in um and then every time like when i'm like ready to buy it 
or even like when I'm thinking about it, like that brand that I watch on like social media always comes to mind first and I'm in, I always end up buying it. And it's so crazy that like, although they're not going to be able to know like, okay, like this person bought because like they saw this ad, um, right. it was just like an impression, uh, but it works. I, I don't know <laughs> uh, if you feel the same way, but it really does. Um, you know, I think, I think exactly what you explained is, is that view through concept, right? Where you're people don't necessarily click and buy all the time, but they may have viewed something and seven days later, you don't know what's going on in each person's life. But whenever that time comes around, as long as you keep them engaged and stay relevant, um, they'll hopefully come back. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say you got your traffic Facebook ads, right? Uh, and you want to send someone to your website, I'm looking at like your product page right now. It's a very long product page and has a lot of, and a lot of information on it. Uh, can you talk about the idea around these long landing pages with like a bunch of information uh, yeah. on them and how that's been working for you guys? 100%. Um, so, you know, we've, we've heard the theories of keep it short, keep it simple, keep it super simple, um, you know, give people easy ways to check out. I think, I think what we're trying to do with our product, though, is, is retain that customer. So we rather not keep it super simple, give people a ton of information so that when they get that product, they feel confident in finding a result, right? Mm -hmm. um, our retention is, sits right around 35 to 40% each month. And I, I think we can credit a lot of it to us being overly informative even our community, it's overly informative, right? Even the recipe book we send with every single order, it's overly informative um, so that you, when you have a question as a consumer, you can almost probably think back to a place that you can find an answer. And then at the very end, on top of that, I think what's the cherry on top for us is we offer a 60 day money back, no questions asked guarantee. If you don't love it, send it back empty. That guarantee puts the cherry on top saying, hey, here's all this information. Trust the product, it'll work. This is why it'll work. If you don't like it though, after 60 days, send it back. And I think what this does for us, um, it really instills um, confidence in our consumer. It really makes them want to come back and keep trying other products. And um, I don't think you'll find a more educated consumer base than ours because they can all talk about our products to the T. That's why they can help each other in the community. Mm. Yeah, I really like that approach too, because like sometimes like you learn about a product, uh, whether you buy it or not, if it's not a fit for you, sometimes like your friends might like uh, mention a problem that they might be facing and you end up suggesting that product uh, because you read so well on how that product, product could help you. But same with like brand marketing. Sometimes like some, uh, I would see an ad on my not buy a product, but then I'll hear one of my friends talk about it and I end up like sending him the link uh, to this ad that I've seen before. Like I've done, I don't even remember how many times I've done that, uh, but that's another way that it works. And like going back to your landing page, like I don't think people realize like how long Amazon landing product landing pages are. There's just like so much content on it. And every single time, uh, I'm on the site. It's like, I really just like half of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like you already convinced me <laughs> and I ended up just adding to cart. No. And I think, and I think that's why um, we still have a lot of call to actions to cut your journey 
right? We still say, hey, buy now. Maybe you're halfway through, buy now. Um, but for those who are not convinced, um, we even go so far as putting in the FAQs all the way in the bottom so that if you went through this entire page and you're still not convinced, here are all the frequently asked questions as well on each page. Mm -hmm. And I think it also tells the consumer uh, how knowledgeable the brand is uh, about the topic. Cause like those like super short landing pages that don't provide enough information, you don't get like that full confidence from the customer too, uh, to be able to decide cause they don't have all the information uh, and then they have to leave the site and look for the information some, somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, agreed. Now, uh, I do see that you guys are also doing uh, email marketing uh, as well as text. Uh, text is something that has been getting a lot more popular over the past um, year and a half or so, specifically in the e-commerce space. Uh, can you talk about how you guys are using these two channels um, to convert more customers? 100%. Um, I think email is the traditional, right? Um, you got to do it. You got to set up a banning car. You got to do the welcome flow. And I think we've done it well with putting our brand twist to it. Um, you know, every email is very engaging. Um, every email is also A-B tested um, with different metrics. Um, we have a ton of different flows. Um, we have about uh, 31 different flows built out in terms of depending on what behavior this incoming email is, 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 is has done. So someone has bought twice, they're getting a whole different flow versus someone who's never bought. Um, you know, someone who's not, who's someone who's bought but hasn't bought in uh, three months, they're getting a whole different flow versus someone who entered their email for the first time, they're getting a different, like there's a lot of different journeys we've figured out. Um, what's I think the most, um, promising for us though is text um you know we use text um a lot and it's not the problem but it is an expensive channel um especially if you're doing mms right uh, with the photos and stuff which we like to do um but every time we've sent text it is extremely extremely profitable it's extremely um almost expected revenue generating you know um when we send out a recipe we know we're going to get x amount you know we know we're going to get this from a launch via text um text has i think um in in many months for us outdone email um so but i think again it's because you know when people sign up for a product launch for us they're putting their phone numbers we're training people hey Text is the quickest way you can get our products because our products sell out pretty often. Um, so, you know, our mindset is a little bit more um, consumer driven to journey of get it quick. And text is that click a link, open the thing, click, you know, so, uh, but we, we absolutely love text. Yeah, I think that's what I've seen too, especially here, here at Converse Smart, working with a lot of direct consumer brand and running text for many, many brands. Uh, that's kind of like the same story that I hear that, uh, especially if you have products that go out of stock, like your consumers want to get those text notifications so that when the product is back, they're the first one to know. Um, and recently with the, we did this like state of D2C text marketing report. And then we did find that in the past year, like 75% of consumers sign up uh, for text marketing, uh, which we weren't really surprised. What was really surprising 
um, was that consumers are signing up at checkout. Uh, like over 60% said that they signed up at checkout, uh, which is really important because if the majority of people are dropping off at checkout, then you should have a way for those customers to sign up at checkout so that you can send them updates, uh, yep. especially during the holiday season when you see an increase in like your abandoned carts uh, and abandoned checkout. So that's something that we've seen in this report that I think uh, a lot of brands should then like start doing it um, give people the ability to sign up for those notifications through text. Right. Right. No, I think, I think that's, um, you know, we, uh, we, we are constantly uh, talking about where else can we connect, collect phone numbers, where else can we collect, you know, this on, do it on the welcome pop-up, do it on the, the cart level, check out this and that, because it's, you know, it's extremely, um, encouraging to see the performance, um, that text does. And so you almost, want to shift more and more towards gaining more people to sign up via that platform. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, and this is a, an interesting question for the brands that like are still like, cause like we all know the ROI is, to, is there for text, but for the brands that are still a little bit on the fence because of the cost, although they know they're going to generate revenue, but the cost that uh, the low higher cost of text uh, still doesn't uh, make them feel right. Uh, what would you say to those brands? Yeah, I would. What I would say is, um, if you start to train your customer base or your subscriber base that texting uh, texting you is okay. You know, we want to text you. We we want to give you special deals. We want to we want to engage with you. Your subscriber base will almost look forward to it. And you will see the you will you 100% see the ROI. I mean, we see the ROI 10 to 15x. Um, you know, here on spend. Um, and so even if you fall at 5x, you know, 6x, 4x, I, I can't imagine a way where if you properly are collecting phone numbers with, you know, someone saying, hey, yeah, you, you can message me. I don't see how that subscriber base cannot be a a, a model for a brand. I would. I, I would just say, um, you know, maybe you may not see it on your first message or the second message, but when you train that subscribing base, like, hey, we text you when it's important, make sure you act. I think that subscriber base will react and you'll see it pay off 10 times over. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Now, getting more into Q4 stuff, obviously, Shopify announced a few months back that they since i think march they've been seeing black friday like traffic every single day uh, and it's only been going up so i'm expecting this black friday season to be very uh profitable for a lot of e-commerce brands uh at least the traffic should double uh, for this uh, holiday season so what are some of the things that uh you're doing to prepare for black friday cyber monday uh, and what sort of results are you expecting to see? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things that we realize and recognize is, again, due to COVID, is not many people are going to go to stores and malls. Um, of course, we've seen a lot of shift Black Friday, Cyber Monday to online shopping. But this year, I feel we're going to hit a record, not because commerce is doing something right. 
but it's because retail is doing retail can't do much. Um, so with that being said, I think you have to prepare for the onslaught of people that are going to want to just shop and almost at the convenience of not going in a store and actually just transacting online. I think it's going, we're going to get a whole new pool of buyers um, that we're maybe not used to doing this, not used to shopping online. Um, so we're preparing for those people by making our site experience, our user experience very simple, very incentive driven. Um, we are heavily focusing on AOV over anything else. Um, we want um, people to stock up and save concept, right? Rather than having more volume of orders um, because I think we can hit our goal quicker then. And I think the other thing we're really preparing for is really honing in on our, our customer base that we've built up and seeing how we can have them take advantage of our largest sale, our best offer, so many new items, and really giving it our all to them and saying, hey, this is what we're giving you as our best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, are we, one thing I wanted to touch on is making the site simple. So obviously there's gonna be a large range of consumers who have never shopped online before coming online. So making that experience, shopping experience as simple as possible can go a long way. Like I can tell you how many times like we get like customers texting back like, hey, like how do I order uh, this product? And it might be like, uh, you might think it's a crazy question, but how many of those customers are out there um, asking those questions because of how complicated the checkout process could be? So that's something that we've definitely seen um, and the second part is AOV. Um, and I recently like tweeted about this, like, Hey, like people don't realize how important AOV is. Like you can hit your target a lot faster. If you double your AOV, uh, instead of wanting to increase your conversion rate. Um, so even like for us, some of the campaigns that we've seen like last year do really well is bundling products, uh, getting people to stock up and then saving like a much larger discount. Uh, that's something that I've seen work really, really well. And you will be surprised. Like you might say, oh, who's going to buy like five of the same product? Uh, that's what we asked last year too. And surprisingly, like people would buy them uh, yeah. just because the saving is so big. Exactly. Um, no, we, we've, we've, we've always, I mean, even if you go to our website, we, we bundle right away. Even our biggest promo on our main banner is bundle and save. Right. Um, bundling is something, again, we've trained our consumers to do. I think this Black Friday, we've taken that bundle concept and amplified it even bigger. Um, so I think that's what's going to be the most exciting is if we can hit our AOV, um, who cares how many orders you get? Right. Um, mm -hmm. hit your goal, like you said, so much quicker. Um, and once you hit your goal, it's 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 more smooth sailing from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you talk about, this is something that I want to ask you personally, actually, you talk about training the consumer, you say that a few times, like, how do you make sure like the consumer ends up like going the right route that you want them to take? Um, is it like, because like, sometimes like you might do something, and then you might get like a response that you didn't expect. So how do you like actually properly train the consumer to do the things that you want them to do? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think the biggest way is reinforcement and also building your business model 
around your concept of wanting to do that, right? Um, one of the cool things we do at Avi is we do we kind of align ourselves to, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Supreme or like Nike or Jordan, right? Yep. They, they do drops or they do limited edition stuff, right? Get it now or it's gone forever. We started doing that back in June uh, with our, our first year birthday. It was our one year birthday. So we dropped um, a birthday cupcake flavor for collagen. We sold out in two weeks and there was petitions by our customer base to bring back that flavor. Um, and it was like it was such a big hype. So then we did it again. We did it with pumpkin spice. We're about to do it with another flavor in December. And we have our next 15 flavors until 2022 figured out and ready to go every month. What this tells what this, what this is doing to our consumer base is saying, hey, when we release something, whether or not we tell you it's limited edition, you better go and get it, right? If you want it, because you don't know how long it's gonna be there. And we have no idea if it's coming back ever. So we're training our collect. We're training the collector's mindset into our consumer base in something as simple as collagen, right? Um, and I think you do that, and um, you know, by constantly making your business model revolve around it, right? Our business model is shaping around training our my, our consumers to say, "Hey, when we drop it, get it." Um, good question you asked though is is what if someone is is not receptive to it? How do you get them back into the mode? And I think this is where you use your sales funnels, right? To, to bring them down different journeys, right? Whether on email, you, you take them down a sunset journey, right? Where, hey, if they're really not gonna buy it, let's, let's take them out. Versus if someone has bought once but hasn't bought again, take them down different journeys of why. Maybe hit on an emotion, show them some user-generated content, show them this, show them this. So we have several touch points that we try to provide them and you hope to strike one pattern of, oh, I can connect to this. So let me, you know, dive back into this. And, and I think we, we cater all of that into like a big globe around Opti. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, definitely appreciate you sharing that. I think uh, that really provides uh, marketers how to get their customers uh, to get accustomed to their marketing strategies because sometimes it can be pretty scary to try new things uh, because you really don't know how it's going to go. So thanks for sharing that. Now, getting more into the personal stuff, um, you mentioned earlier that you used to work two full shifts in one day. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming you're probably not doing that anymore. Um, are there like any routines or uh, things that you're doing that are helping you run this company uh, and achieve success? Yeah, I think I think the biggest the biggest routine. Um, I think it's something small for me, but something I've just constantly done is um, I rewrite my to do list every day. Whether you know a lot of people, I think, and and and, and writing down things. Um, you know, we've actually over the course of years moved so much stuff digitally, right? Like making a task list on your phone, or using to do lists, or using this app. Um, I think one routine that has just changed a lot of things for me is, is, is pen and paper um, and, and, and rehashing that pen and paper and saying, all right, well, I did this, but I didn't get to this entire list. Carry it over the next day and remind yourself to do it again. Right. Um, I think that's the simple tactic that, um, you know, we need to keep reinforcing in each other um, because 
as much as we are on our phones, it's very easy to say, hey, I'm not going to open that to-do list right now because I just don't want yeah. to do it. <laughs> this, this, this notebook, it's, it sits yep. in front of me whether I'm doing a podcast or it sits in front of me whether I'm in a, a, a massive meeting. So, you know, that, that I think is one of the biggest things to keep your mind engaged on what needs to get done. And I think the second biggest routine is um, just starting, starting my mornings um, on LinkedIn. Um, I, um, I have a, my alarm on my phone actually says um, it, at, at 7 a.m. It's, it's connect with 20 new people on LinkedIn. Okay. So before I even open any other app, I open LinkedIn when I wake up and I will connect with 20 people that are just completely new, maybe in CPG, maybe in, in, in accounting, doesn't matter. And I am just maybe consuming some material, this and that. And that routine has taken me away from looking at, let's say, just social media first or just some random news about politics or this or whatever the media is feeding us yep. uh, down to actually user-generated content from LinkedIn. And I think that's trained my mind to say, okay, well, the world's going to be okay because people are figuring shit out, you know? <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, I 100% agree with that. Like the biggest thing that I've, first of all, I agree with the note, note and paper, uh, paper and pen thing, because I do that every day. Um, the second thing is the, um, the not checking out newsletters. Like, I think that's a, like, every single day, there's a new newsletter out, there's always going to be the media talking about what they've been talking about for the past however many years. Yep. It's always going to be there. Um, and the moment like you wake up and you get into that, it's so hard to get back out of it. Right. So you end up like clicking in this article that takes you to another one. Next thing you know, like, uh, yeah, your day is gone. <laughs> so yeah, same with social media. I try to like block out like news feeds and like, cause like when you, when you read one, like you end up reading uh, as many as you can, like you just end up scrolling. So uh, I try to not to get in that habit. Of just like scrolling on social media in the morning too. Yeah, no, that's great. It helps a lot. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for being on the show. How can people find you um, and how can people uh, find out more about Avi? Sure. Um, so find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, 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 I'm always on there. Just, you can look up my name um, or you can look up CEO of Avi. Um, and Obvi, I mean, um, you know, our website, myobvi.com, M-Y-O-B-V-I.com, um, is a great place to get started. But also, if you want to read about, you know, our reviews or read about some, you know, videos, um, we've done a ton of different videos. So you can go on YouTube and type in Obvi or just Google Obvi and you'll see a bunch of reviews um, and some, you know, different articles that have been um, more presented from the consumer perspective. Um, and the biggest thing I'll say is, um, above all of this is come join our community. Um, you know, just type in Obvi community on Facebook and, um, you know, take a scroll at it. I think you'll be impressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely leave those links in the description. Now, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, there is one more question that I'm going to ask Ron here. So that's only going to be on YouTube. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Personal Mastery Podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, please follow this podcast and leave us a five-star review. And as always, 
Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Personal Mastery Podcast. Thank you.